This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to Happy Homes and Gardens. I'm your host. My name is Daphne Royce. I am a real estate broker, architecture, and interior designer. Anna Sidana's artwork has been displayed in many famous museums, including the Young Museums in San Francisco and Times Square in New York City. She has also received two Sheridan Awards. Anna has a degree in engineering, has worked in the tech industry for years before becoming an artist. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I'm very well, Daphne. Thank you so much for having me. Please tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, So my name is Anna Sedana. I am based in San Francisco. I'm a full-time visual artist. Um, I'm also a mother and I am on the board of one or two art organizations. Um, So I support the arts in every capacity that I can. I'm originally from India. I was born there. And then I lived in the UK for eight or nine years before coming here to the US. And um, I had a full career in high tech. Yeah, I did marketing for tech companies for 30 plus years, raised my kids, and, um, and, and then switched into the arts most recently. Yeah. Were you doing the tech work when you was in UK? Um, I started in the UK, but then I continued over here. Yes. Was there any culture differences? Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, the culture difference I felt moving from New Delhi to London and London to L.A. was equally, you know, uh, different in both places. So, yeah, big differences. So what made you want to settle in U.S.? Uh, You know, I came here because most of my family was already here. So it made sense for me to come here. And, um, and then I found a sponsor and uh, it all worked out. So it just made sense. And now, of course, this is home. My kids were born here. And, uh, you know, I I love it here. What was most challenging about switching careers from an engineer to an artist? Yeah, you know, it was a very big change. It was like a complete pivot. And after building a career and a network and knowledge um, in, in one industry, if you will, in one sector, I switched to something completely different. So it was overwhelming in the beginning. I had to learn everything about the different um different players like the gallerists, the art fairs, the museums, you know, what is their role? And then also figure out where do I want to be in that, you know, ecosystem. So it was quite challenging in the beginning. And I spent a lot of time researching, going to openings, talking to people and discovering for myself um, what I enjoyed, what I didn't enjoy too much. And then, you know, decided to, to be an artist at the end of that myself. I understand you went back to school. Did you have any challenges when you returned to school to obtain your master's degree in fine arts 
and what was it like? Yes, going back to school at this age was very challenging. It was also very exhilarating because school is such a wonderful environment where you're allowed to make mistakes. You know, after living in the business world where you cannot make mistakes, or at least you pay a price for your mistakes, in school you're encouraged, and especially art school, you're encouraged to make mistakes. So it was a wonderful way for me to shed the past and embrace the future. And, you know, it, it opened up a whole new world for me. Um, another big challenge for me was to change my thinking. Because in the business world, you're working with all sorts of constraints of price, of timing, of product, of customers, and all that kind of stuff, right? And you're working in um, a very fast-paced environment. And you're using a lot of your logical thinking. In the art world, and to be an artist, you really have to find your emotional center and approach art from an emotional standpoint. So it was, it, was, um, it was a slow process for me to shift from that mindset where I am thinking about the end product to a different mindset where I'm thinking about why I want to paint, what I want to paint, what message I want to do with it and how I want to paint, you know, all those things. And, and think about the social, emotional aspects that come with art that we don't often, uh, you know, focus on in the business world. It's a very different mindset. Why buy art instead of other type of art for your degree? Yeah, you know, I think it was always in me. I painted as a child and stopped painting when I was, I think, about 16. And um, then, you know, life takes over. And before you know, 30 years have gone by and you haven't painted anything. But um, when my children, when my two kids left for college, I started taking art classes. I took one class and I loved it. And then I took another class and I loved it even more. And so I think it was all, always in me. And I, you know, I decided that this is what I wanted to do. If I could restructure my life and do this full time, that is what I was going to do. And so I went about, you know, making all the changes necessary to, to be the best artist I could be, go back to school, um, get a studio, and uh, really immerse myself in all aspects of art. Let's talk about the art classes you took. What was the initial class you took? Was it pencil, ink, watercolor? No, actually, it was um, it was a, an oil painting class in portraiture. Yeah, uh, I had not done portraiture before, but I, when I was a child, I painted in oils, so I knew the medium, and I was, you know, I was just attracted to it because of that. So yeah. Wow, that's a pretty difficult class to start with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Literature on the side as well. I can paint people. Yeah. Wonderful to know. <laughs> what makes you, when you take that class and decided that you want to become an artist? Well, you know, I, I, I knew it was in me and I felt 
that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was that moment in my life where I could continue doing my tech job or I could embrace something brand new. And when I stepped back and looked at my inspiration and where and how I wanted to paint, I, um, it, was, it was a natural thing. It was in me. I had to do it. You know, sometimes you just have to do something. And this was one of those things. People say the best career is work with your passion. So I guess you did what you're supposed to do. Yes, I really, truly believe that I'm doing what I was supposed to do. Yeah. It's been life-changing. This whole pivot has been completely life-changing for me. So I have a visit to your artist's studio. Your work are vivid and colorful. What is the significance behind your works? So Daphne, my, my color, I have a really interesting relationship with color, I think. Um, color is very important for me and it is part of my culture. You know, one of the things that I was wrestling with was that I felt somewhat disconnected from my culture and color was one way for me to uh, connect with it. Um, and then also I, I have these vivid memories, my childhood memories of playing in cotton fields and eating pomegranates, uh, climbing mango trees, you know, with all kinds of beautiful colors around me. So that is the essence I wanted to capture. And, and I, I, yeah, I enjoy color a lot. Is it why your work mainly focuses on landscapes in cotton, pomegranates, and peonies? And why these three objects? Do you plan to paint more different objects? Yeah, well, this is only the beginning. <laughs> I've only been painting for five, six years, really, seriously. And you have to start somewhere. And that's where I began my journey. But I have plans to, I definitely paint people as well. I do lots of portraiture and I, um, I want to explore other childhood memories through nature and animals, actually. So I would like to paint um, peacocks and monkeys and, you know, other, other things as well. So this is only the beginning. Those just sounds like a very difficult animal to paint. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't really focus on the difficulty. I focus on what it's going to bring for me in this process. And, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. Tell us more about your brush strokes. Yes, that's a very good question. So the brush strokes for me are are like notes for music. That is my instrument. That is my tone, how I create something. It's very emotional. And just as in music, you have highs and lows, softer tones, bolder tones. I try to bring all those with my brush strokes because I'm creating music in my work. And I love 
the lusciousness of oil paint. So I really enjoy getting my hands dirty and playing with the paint. If one day you decided to paint peacocks or monkeys, <laughs> will you still use the same brush stroke as your style yeah, or signature? I, yeah, I don't see why not. In fact, in one of my paintings, which I believe is on my website as well, um, I have a I have a peacock in that, but it's it's on the side. The, it's the painting is titled Hide and Seek. And there's a peacock in there in the painting, if you look carefully. So it, it is going to be in, in my style of painting. That is how I express myself. How did you ever name or title your artwork? <laughs> um, it's really the feeling I have with it. Hide and Seek is a very playful title. Again, it's a childhood game, universal game. And I was painting a memory of the mango orchards. So it's a mango tree and the colors, you can see in the colors, if you look at it, they're mango colors. And, um, and peacocks like to hide in those trees and we would play hide and seek in there. And when we did that, you know, we would have to chase the peacocks away. So it was just based on, you know, the emotional connection I had with that experience. Do you have a plan to paint something different than landscapes? As you mentioned earlier, you like to bring up a lot of childhood memories. Sounds like you grew up in the countryside. Do you ever want to paint maybe your childhood homes or any kind of agriculture fields? Yeah, I mean, all those things are possible. I actually grew up in New Delhi, which is a big metropolis, like any capital city. Um, but we were lucky that we had a farm in the middle of Rajasthan in the desert. And as children, we would go there for our vacation. And that was a magical time. So that's where a lot of this comes from. But I also feel that we live in this culture and this society today of uh, technology. And, you know, we're very disconnected from each other. We're very disconnected from nature. And we talk about going into nature and enjoying it, etc. But honestly, we are nature ourselves, right? We are one part of nature. And so when I decide to do landscapes, uh, currently from my childhood, but, you know, I would do it from here. I, I've actually done a few pieces based on California as well. It's, it's really to connect with that more strongly. And I think there's one titled California Poppies and California Ice. Yeah, there are a couple I did for California. Yeah. What's a farm in desert like in India? Yeah, it is, um, it's a little oasis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, my grandfather had been part of bringing um, water to that area through irrigation. And so it's like a little oasis. It sounds like a, a dream place to be. <laughs> yes. Is oil your primary use of media? 
Oil has been my primary use, although I have experimented with others as well. I've experimented uh, with gouache on paper. Uh, I also do charcoal on paper, a little bit of watercolor, a little acrylic, not that much acrylic. Um, yeah, so I am expanding a little bit in my mediums, but I just love the smell of oil, the feel of the paint and how it brings out my emotions and how it makes me feel. So oil is my primary. Oil takes longer time to dry. How long it normally takes you to create one piece of art? So there are many ways of painting with oils. Some people will um, paint a layer and then they will let it dry and then come back and paint the next layer. Um, but in my case, I paint wet on wet. So I don't have to wait for it to dry. If it's wet, I go in again and paint on it wet again. And that gives me um, a kind of, it mixes up the colors in a different way. And it's really the time is, sometimes I have to wait a little bit for it to dry. But, but mostly it, it's more in the scale and the size and the complexity of my piece that takes time. And I, um, you know, I do large pieces. A lot of my work is large. I do a few smaller ones, but I also mostly do large pieces and they can take about a month to. Wow, that's a long many, time. Many layers in, in that. And I might do one or two in parallel. So I might start one and then let it sit for a while and then go back to so I saw your art has a lot of like water drip. So I assume you paint vertically. Yes, although some, sometimes I also lay it flat on the ground and I let that, um, and I do some of my drips with that and I can, you know, move the drips in any direction that I want. So that's possible too. Uh, but pretty traditionally, I do paint vertically, yeah. And the drips are part of my process, if you will, where, you know, in the technology world, it was so structured and it, you had to be in your lane all the time. And the drips, the paint drips, you can't control them. So it, it was a wonderful way for me to feel that, you know, letting go and freedom. So I really enjoy my drips but they are thoughtfully put in I don't you know randomly like some people will paint very very freely I think my drips are much more thoughtfully incorporated will you ever want to paint people Daphne I paint people already <laughs> I know but I only saw one person just wonder if you want to extend to that area yes so I, I paint um, portraiture, which is on my Instagram feed. It's not on my website because I, I think I'm still learning how to paint. And, you know, painting people is complicated because you want to bring out the essence of that person. And 
I think I still am learning to do that. Yeah. But I definitely plan to paint more people. And at some point, I may even combine, you know, my two landscapey abstract work with, with the people. For me, I think when artists paint people, they want to point out the emotion of the character they paint. But for you to paint landscaping is for people to feel your emotion in your art. Yes, that's very beautifully said, Daphne. Um, I express my emotion in my landscape and I do feel that people can also feel emotion with it. So I do want to bring that emotion out in people. I feel like we live in such a world where we keep our emotions to ourselves all the time. There's not much outlet, you know? So I want people to feel emotional. And I certainly feel emotional myself. Tell me more about when you paint your emotion in your work. Is a color choice a matter of how the artwork going to become? I think color is very important. Um, and I feel like I've been influenced by, you know, my rich Indian heritage, my time in the UK, in Europe, and also being here in California, which is very lush. And um, I think color definitely connects me to these places. And it's, it's, um, it's an expression of emotion. It definitely feels, you know, emotional to decide if I'm going to go with a bold red color or a softer palette. And uh, like the one, the painting behind me, for example, I was feeling, I was studying, a, a, reading a book on art history and I was feeling very historical in my mind. <laughs> Um, so I think, you know, the color palette, I think, says that it's, it's, you know, has different tones to it. So colors can be very complex. Tell us a little bit more about the art piece behind you. So the art piece behind me is, it's titled uh, Cotton for the Gods. And um, this parts of it that are common, hey, parts of it that tend to be more floral, but that's really just the abstraction you know, work. And it, it came from, again, I do, as I do, as you know, I do a lot of cotton paintings. So it came from a place of the importance of cotton in our lives. And cotton for the gods is like, I think, God is important to a lot of people. And I think cotton has played such a pivotal role in people's lives that it became cotton for the gods. And a lot of materials in India made it with cotton? Yeah, yeah, cotton. There's a huge cotton history with colonialism and with my personal family too. So my my grandparents were cotton farmers and my um on the farm we grew cotton as well which i experienced but the british uh when they came and ruled the country uh, would not allow 
they would buy the Indian cotton at a very low rate, you know, for pennies, and then they would sell the fabric back to the Indians at much greater prices. Yeah, they would take ship it to, to the UK where, where they would weave it into, you know, fine cloths, and then they would sell it back to the Indians at a very high price. So there's a huge colonial history in cotton. And then of course, in America, there's the um, African-American slavery in the South with cotton, which was also a big, um, big factor in, in, you know, getting immersed in cotton for me, because there are lots of similarities between the two countries in how that happened and how, what happened to the families and how they were persecuted. And, and even today there is a cotton related persecution in other parts of the world. So there is a huge history with cotton. Well, that's a very important crop as well. I think it's one of the first um, global commodities in the world, and it continues to be extremely important. So almost every part of the cotton plant is used. So cottonseed oil, um, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So what is the life differences between engineer and artists? What do you personally feel about them? Yeah, yeah. So I was in marketing. So I was not technically not an engineer, but I was in marketing in the technology field. Um, and it was very fast paced. You know, it was a business job where you had to be there. You had to show up every day and produce results. And uh, it was a very busy time. You're using your mind all the time. You're interacting with people, working in a company. You have colleagues you work with, interact with all the time, you have events, etc. So it was a very, very hectic time as an, you know, as, as a marketing person in technology. Um, and the art life is completely different. So I have to create my own schedule. I have to, um, you know, produce work that comes from within. There is no external person or force that's making me do anything. And when I go to my studio, which I do, you know, five, six times a week, I could be there for three hours or eight hours or 10 hours. Um, I am completely alone. So it's a very, very different experience. I uh, listen to music and I just go into a meditative state when I work and I'm completely immersed in what I'm doing. So, and there are no distractions. There's no TV. I don't, you know, pick up my phone sometimes. So it's very, very quiet and meditative. So what's the stress level compared to those two? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the stress level is created by myself because I want to do more and I want to do better. And I feel like because I came to this so late in life that I have less time and I, I want to learn everything so much. So the stress level is created by myself. Um, yeah, but it's really, it's really my choice. <laughs> 
Tell us if you plan to have any exhibitions in the future. Yeah, so I actually just had an exhibition. I just had an event um, which you were present for, which was wonderful. And um, I am going to be in New York at the Martha Graham Center for a panel on women in art, and then my art will also be there. Um, I also have just finished a piece for a friend who is launching his book in the Architectural Review magazine, which I can't tell you much about it because they haven't launched it yet. But I did the art piece that goes with it, and that will be in the magazine in a few months. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, and, and ongoing. You know, in the past, I've done shows at the De Young and the London Biennial, the Louisiana Biennial, and um, I'll continue to do more shows as well. Wow, that's wonderful. And I wish you best for all of the exhibitions and panel speaker events. Thank you, Daphne. Thank you so much. And tell us how people may contact you. So I have a website and they can contact me through the website. Uh, it's simply my name. It's annasedana.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and you can contact me through that. And my Instagram is also my name. It's Anna Sedano. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Anna, for your time today. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so, so thrilled. Thank you, Daphne. You're welcome. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.